Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother. Broadcasting to a worldwide audience since 2014. You're about to experience raw and real. And now, here's your host, CJ Ripka. What's going on, Raw and Real Nation? CJ here, and guess what? I'm back. That's right, I came back. I had to come back. You guys wouldn't leave me alone. You keep blowing <laughs> me up and telling me what a big mistake I'm making by giving up the show. I figured, well, you know, one time, just just this one time, there was this guy, I think his name was like Dave Jackson, and he said that the one thing that you need to do to be able to succeed in podcasting is to listen to your audience. And, well, you know what? I think I might take Dave's advice on this one. I might just have to listen to each and every one of you. If you don't want me to kill the show, I'm not going to kill the show. That's that's where we're going to leave that one. But today on Ron Real, I have got an amazing guest. You know, a few months ago, I actually interviewed his daughter. And over the course of, you know, building a relationship and just kind of getting to know what she was about and her me sharing some of her stuff, all of a sudden I get this email saying, hey, would you like to interview my dad? I'm like, um, yes, I would. <laughs> if you remember that episode, you know, she talked about him being her first client. And, you know, I, that that to me was just like, wow, really? Your dad, first client? I wish my dad would have hired me at one point. But, you know, he uh, he didn't. He didn't hire me. He actually said, you know what? You need to go find your own way. So uh, get out of my house. You're 25 now. It's it's okay. <laughs> but uh, no, we're going to have a great time. You know, and Jim is a marketing and business building expert, and we are going to try to dig as much information as we can out of him. And he is the host of Dream Business Coach TV and podcast. Am I right? That's right. Everything's dream business around here. <laughs> All right. So, you know, when I started out, I was one of those business dreamers. You know, you've seen those people, right? Mm-hmm. I had no direction. I had no clue. I had, I just wanted to be in business. I wanted to be that business owner. What, uh, what was it that kind of got you going and switch from that business dreamer to the dream business guy? Well, first of all, when I started my business, my first business in 2001, CJ, uh, I had four teenagers at home. I had to make a go of it. I have just come off of 15 months of unemployment. I had stage two cancer. I mean, it was what I call my season of crises. And um, so when I started, when I started in October 2001, I needed it to go and I needed to go quickly. But as they say, the the best laid plans, right? It took me (laughs) one year, 12 months to get my first paying client. And um, I I call that my my first year was revenue free. But, you know, (laughs) I, I was working like a dog. I was going to networking events. I was marketing. I was knocking on doors, cold calling, doing everything. And when I look back now, with uh, you know the clarity that you get with 16 years of, of you know looking back, I was doing everything right. And because if you want to have a big harvest, you got to plant a lot of seeds. You can't just flip open your door, you know, open your uh, open put a put your shingle out as they used to say. Turn on <laughs> yes. your website, get your free business cards from Vistaprint, and say, "Okay, I'm here, world. Let's have a six figure business." It doesn't happen like that. Yeah, Every no. business is built on relationships. And you don't go from, hi, I'm Jim. Do you want to give me a lot of money? Right. Yeah, that's, it's 
there comes that point where you do finally figure out how to ask for that kind of thing. But you're absolutely right. I When I started the business that I have now, that first year, I was miserable. I, you know, my wife was constantly on my back because I got two teenage daughters myself. I wasn't unemployed, but I had two teenage daughters and they have needs. So, you know, same type of deal where I it was kind of like she gave me three months. You got three months to show me that this is going to work. Yeah. Well, I was like, yeah, I can do it. Three months. That's I'll do that in like three weeks. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> that didn't happen. <laughs> no, I'm with you there. You know, people sometimes ask me, how did you get through that first year? Well, I did. I, I had to man up and do what a father would do. I got a job at the local Target working 4 a.m. shift stocking shelves, got off like 11 o'clock and started working my business. So I was bringing enough. I think I was bringing home 300 bucks a week, enough to help with the food. Um, but I mean, working like a dog, I did that for over a year. And then my business started catching fire and I started reducing my hours until they said, hey, you're either working at Target or you're doing your own thing. I said, easy choice. <laughs> So that's when I really went full time in my business. But, you know, CJ, I what got me through that first year were a couple things. Number one, I knew I just knew in my heart that I was doing the right thing and I was going to be successful, but I didn't know when. And this word that I'm going to share with you was just it burned in my brain. It was called ridiculous. And for every the fourth month, fifth month, seventh month, I said, how ridiculous would it be for me to quit now after I just put in four months or eight months or nine? Because I knew that first client was right around the corner. And interestingly enough, when I got my first, it was a pretty big client in the 12th month. And then I got client two, three, four. It all started to happen. All those seeds started to you know, become a harvest. And, and I was off to the races. You know, that word ridiculous, this week, that word has popped up like seven or eight times from different people. And- the reason why I kind of keyed on that word is because you said something huge right there. You said it would be ridiculous for me to quit. But then at some point it kind of turns into it is ridiculous that people are actually giving me, you know, that are pouring into me like this. It, you, you kind of get to that point where it's like, wow, I can't believe this is happening. Do you ever, have you ever had that feeling that Maybe this, maybe I'm not the right person to be doing the things that I'm doing. Well, it'd be crazy to say we don't all have self-sabotaging head trash, you know, all the limiting thoughts and limiting beliefs. Um, you know, it, when my book decide, I called it the um, imposter syndrome, where no matter how much success you eventually achieve, I think everybody believes, oh, my God, are they going to find out? Right. For me, when I started my business, I was with a used computer in my dining room table. When I go call on companies, hey, I'm the president of dynamic communication. I'm going to do your newsletter for you. Well, I was afraid somebody's going to ask, are you the guy that has the computer and you're sitting at your dining room <laughs> table? You know, it was you're going to be found out. And even, you know, even I haven't had it in quite a while. But when I started my coaching program, CJ, I'm like, are they going to find out that I didn't never, I, I never, I didn't never. There's my proof. I didn't go to, I didn't graduate college. <laughs> it's a little late here. You're going to have to roll, roll with my bastardized English language. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't graduate college. But, you know, I believe everybody is born with a God-given skill and talent. And if you want to really take that skill and talent and, and just maximize it and run with it, I think anybody can create, you know, success for themselves. Now, with Dream business coaching, do you help people work through that, find that, that yeah, hidden talent or passion? Yeah, much to my surprise, um, 
the mindset is a very big part of coaching because it's people want to learn the strategies, you know, for how do I get a book done? How do I create a killer website? How do I become a speaker? How do I create, you know, celebrity within my own niche? That's all stuff you can teach. What you can't do on your own is get over those self-limiting thoughts. It's the head trash that you have to get over. Every every business owner that I've ever encountered has what I describe as the 3 a.m. holy crap moment. So <laughs> it's three o'clock in the morning. You're laying in bed, looking up at the dark ceiling going, holy crap, I don't know if I could make payroll Friday. I haven't had a new customer in like 90 days. I own the business and I haven't paid myself. And you got just holy crap, holy crap, holy crap. What you want to do at that point is you get out of bed, you go into the bathroom, you look in the mirror and you go, why are you holding me back? Why are you not doing what you need to do to move this business forward? Because I will tell you this, myself included, and I, and I write, I just bare my soul. There were so many things that I should have been doing that I wasn't doing until a, until a really, really successful mentor called me out on my own stuff and said, <laughs> it's interesting, Jim. <laughs> How is it you think you should be able to be more successful than you are? Yet you're not willing to do these things here. <laughs> and it's like, it was like, put the mirror in front of me. Right. And so, yeah, a lot of success. What, what I tell people is your, your skill, your talent, your drive, your work ethic, your ambition, your moral compass, that makes up the machine that is your business. The fuel that drives the machine is your mindset. You can go to 12 years of college, become a doctor, a dentist, whatever. But if you don't have the mindset that says, man, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find this cure. I'm going to be the best surgeon ever. If you don't totally believe in yourself, you're only going to operate within a, within a small circle of what you believe your abilities are. You know, I, I speak to veterans all over the place. Any chance I get to get in front of a veteran, I, I really – cherish that moment because that's the one thing I really key in on is that mindset. You know, we are trained through, through the military to have that military bearing, that military mindset. And a lot of these guys that are, are struggling right now, they lost that somehow. So when I go in and I speak to these, these veterans at veterans um, hospitals, that's the key thing that I kind of bring up is, Hey, at one time you had that military mindset that you were the strongest. You were the most powerful. You knew without a shadow of a doubt that you were doing the right thing. And now what's, you know, you've kind of lost that. Let's bring you back to it. But you're absolutely right. If without that right mindset, without the, being able to look yourself in the mirror, and for some of you people, maybe you don't look in the mirror. If you're like me, you look inside your camera and you chew yourself out, and then you can replay it back to yourself, chewing yourself out. That's the way I like to do it because, well, it's kind of funny sometimes, especially when I put them out on YouTube. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what you're saying is absolutely crucial. You know, if, if you don't have your mind right, you're not going to succeed to the level that, that you're of your potential. That's why people struggle with pricing. Pricing is always an issue. People will say, I want to be paid what I'm worth, but then they won't go out there and, and actually – charge what they're worth. You know, the marketplace isn't going to go, oh, you want to do this service for 300 bucks? No, 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 no. I want to pay you 900. You know, it doesn't <laughs> yeah, work that yeah. way. You <laughs> you actually have to say my price is $900 and here's why it's going to be the best investment you've ever made. You have to have the, the courage and the confidence and the chutzpah to actually say that. You have to believe in your heart, mind, and soul with every fiber of being that what you're doing has so much value, they'd be crazy not to hire you. And what I tell people is if you don't believe that, you need to change what you're doing, 
change your offering, change whatever. Because when you do believe that, you, you will exude that confidence. And I don't care what you're selling. People buy confidence. They, they, want, they buy hope. They want to be inspired, but they want to buy certainty. If I'm 100% certain that this guy is going to do it, if I was 100% certain that, that the, the surgeon I eventually chose to help me w- through my surgery, if he's not the best guy to, to deal with melanoma, then I want to find the other guy. But that guy was the best guy in Philadelphia to help me with that. And people want to have certainty, whether it's a medical issue or if I want to, if I was struggling, I wanted to have somebody help me with Facebook ads or whatever it is, you're not going to go with some schmo who's going to charge, who's going to run your campaign for six months for $49. (laughs) I mean, you know, you might gasp if somebody says it's five grand, but you know what? You're probably going, because it's five grand, you're going to assume that it's a higher value, that it's probably going to be a higher quality. That just goes with Pricing, so I, I don't know how I got on that tangent, but it it really is a confidence thing. Well, it, it makes a lot of sense. Uh, just this past uh, this past month, I lost two jobs because I went out and I bid them at what I charge, and they both came back to me and said, "Well, I thought it was going to be about half of that amount." Well, you might find somebody for half that amount, but when you have to call me to fix their problems, please. Just understand, I'm going to charge you for repair rates now, so it's not going to be the same. And, you know, these, and a lot of people get into that struggle. Oh, I'm new in business, so I shouldn't charge as much as the guy that's been there for 10 years. No, charge just as much. Just let them know, hey, this is something that I'm new at, but I'm going to deliver the same results. You know, it's, and if you can do that with, 110% 110% certainty, they shouldn't have a problem with it. Well, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll give you a, um, you said before we went live, I want to dig out the good stuff, Jim, so don't hold back. So <laughs> That's right. Here's something. You will, I'm going to tell this to everybody watching, you will earn significantly more money for who you are compared to what you do. It's not about the deliverable. Right. If you're a dentist and you spend uh, every weekend or every free time learning how to be a better dentist, to get teeth whiter, to get people in and out of your patients, in and out of your chairs faster, that won't make you more money. But the right brand, you know, the right message, uh, having, you know, being seen as the go to person for what it is you do. I mean, accountants, that's another one. If you I don't care where you are, if it, Remember this antiquated thing called a phone book. Now we have Google. But if you were to Google accountants, you know, where you are, you're going to come up with 60, 80, maybe 200, depending on the metropolitan area. How do you stand out and say, well, we add numbers really, 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 really well. So well, you can't believe how well. I mean, that's not your positioning. Right. And I tell this story when I when I hired my account, my CPA. A dozen years ago, um, I started asking around, not just for a good CPA. I said, I want to work with somebody who understands home-based businesses. I want to understand, I want to work with somebody who knows QuickBooks. And, you know, somebody would, here's what a referral might be. Oh, Jim, you ought to go see X, Y, and Z company. Not only do they work with Fortune 500s, they work with little guys. And you'll hear this. They bring the big world experience out to the little guy. Well, I don't, I don't believe that. 
I think that if there's a tight, sh- if there's a shortage of help and I need a QuickBook answer, they're going to be taking the Fortune 500 guys call long before they take my call. That's just my belief. So I wanted to know who is the CPA near where I live that works with QuickBooks, knows QuickBooks and only works or, or mostly works with, because I want to know all those deductions, right? It's not about what you gross. It's about what you keep. And this guy's name kept coming up and I, he was referred to me like two or three times. He's been my CPA for 12 years. That's his reputation, right? He worked really hard. And that might seem a little, you know, I don't know what the right word, innocuous or whatever, but you want to be known as the go-to person. Long before I became, you know, became because I created it, the dream business coach, I was known as the newsletter guru. That's a brand that I created when I created No Hassle Newsletters. Now, CJ, I never went to design school. I certainly didn't go to writing school, but I wanted to be known as the go-to person to help entrepreneurs and small business owners create newsletters. So I just created the newsletter guru. Actually, a client of mine said, Jim, you're a friggin' newsletter guru. And I said, oh, that's cool. Okay, I'll use that. (laughs) And I promoted the heck out of it for years. And that really – so, you you know, we talked about head trash earlier. You'll appreciate this. The first – big conference that I went to. There's like a thousand people there. And I know even the people that were promoting this conference were very big into newsletters. And I was promoting myself as news. I was actually worried somebody was going to come down the, the little hall and come into my booth and say, what makes you think you're the newsletter guru? <laughs> you know, well, it's because I said so, right? But, you know, so you have to brand yourself and you have to be bold and promote it at every opportunity. And that will, it's the difference between trolling or fishing for people and having fish jump in your boat because they want to be in your boat. That's what a brand will do for you. You know, the, the thing about branding, it's a lot of people still get that wrong though. They think they have to brand their business or brand their product or whatever it is. I tell people all the time, brand yourself. You need to brand yourself first so people recognize you. Once they recognize you, then they'll start recognize the products and services that you're bringing out, and they're going to, you know, follow those because of that. Wow! See, that's what happens on live. Every now and then, uh, Jimi Hendrix decides he's going to start playing a little bit. And, <laughs> wow! But uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So I I tell people brand yourself. You. For example, Raw and Real, I was going to put that to bed. Raw and Real was never the brand. CJ Ripka was always the brand. So when I jump over and, I, and I'm hosting a show called Grit and Grace, everybody that was at Raw and Real now follows me over. And now they're part of my audience. We created this large audience for Grit and Grace. So our startup really was super easy and super fast. And now, it, which is really funny because now people are calling me up and say, hey, your startup was kind of crazy with Grit and Grace TV. Can you come and speak on that? I'm like, uh, I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah. But you never know what your brand is going to bring you if you build it the right way. That's right. But you always want to niche yourself. You want to, I mean, you want to start out like the head of a pin. You want to be known for something. Right. A lot of people go, well, if I'm only branding myself for, for this, how are people going to know that I also do this? this is, well, you know. There's riches and niches is a good expression, and it's absolutely true. And the people that originally came to me for newsletters, that when I created No Hassle Social Media, when I created my printing program, when I created all these other things, they they were interested. Just like you, when you create another show, it's because of that reputation. They're going to go check out that other show. Yeah. But it's it's you want to attract people for for 
basically one thing. You want to be known as a go-to person and that – and then you can grow from there. You just want to start out very, very fine and, and or, you know, very fine point of the head of the pin. <laughs> and it's it's funny you say it like that because when I when I started podcasting, it was actually in 2003 with, uh, with an audio blog for the National Guard, for the Army National Guard. And that audio blog, it kept going for quite a while and then I started doing other podcasts. So – most people would think that he would be the podcast guy. That's the podcast guy right there. What I actually got known for, though, was live streaming. Taking a podcast format, putting it on a live stream, and creating a show live. And it was funny how that evolution came, because I latched on to it. I was like, okay, yeah, you want to call me the live stream guy? I'll be that guy. Yep. That's pretty interesting. And, you know, sometimes things happen by accident. You know, we, we think we're smart. We're going to go a certain way, but... What you really want to do is keep your eyes and ears open because people will say things. They'll ask for things. And I always – people sometimes are asking me, how did you create so many businesses? It's because when I'm in a conversation with a customer or prospect, I'm like making eye contact listening with this ear and this is my opportunity ear. And so if somebody would say, well, Jim, you know, we like your newsletters, but how do we get them printed? Can you make a referral to a printer? Eventually – CJ, my mantra got to be I could make a referral or I could just create another revenue stream, you know, and, and launch another business. And so it, sometimes we just answer when we move on. But I'm like, man, that's the third person that asked me how to print newsletters. Why don't I just offer a printing service? And each time I did that until 2009 or 10, when people start saying, hey, can you mentor me? Can you help me start businesses and things like that? And I could say, well, I don't know. Or I could say, you know what? I'm going to launch a coaching program. And so you've got to be listening and watching for op opportunities everywhere. Most people are so blind to the daily, whatever the fire is that has to be put out. They're not paying attention to it. Now, multiple revenue streams, that is something that I've read in, I don't know, hundreds of books that I've read, business books that I've read. Every single one of these people who have been billionaires and millionaires, they've all said the same thing created multiple lines of income you know how how big has that been you know just by creating dream business it is big and i'll tell you if you were to look at high income earners most high income earners um they cobble together various revenue streams to make up for that. Most of them have a, a you know, a high – like my biggest revenue stream is my coaching program. Uh, I have the No Hassle newsletters, probably the printing business. And then I have some others that are – I have several that just generate some decent income, but I could never live on each one separately. But somehow they all come together. And the other reason, if somebody was to look at um, – I have a program. Let's see. What would be my, one of my small ones? Um, let me just say uh, custom article generator where I can put my team of writers that create a lot of content for no hassle newsletters. If they, if somebody was just to look at that business alone, they go, oh, my God, that's not very big. Yeah, but the people who come to me for custom articles, they end up coming into my membership program and vice versa. One thing feeds the other. You know, when people come to me for newsletters, they end up becoming printing clients. So they all work together. And that's the cool thing about multiple streams of revenue. First of all, it's great to have it, but if they all are kind of – they're all filling the same customer base, if you will, now you're you know, now you're making more sales from the same number of customers and, and that's a home run in, in and of itself. Yeah, it's, it seems like if, if you have one thing – I'm that way. I'm, I'm one of these people that I'll, I'll start something. I'll get going on it and I'm really good at starting 
And then I get to that point where it's like, okay, um, this is not doing what I wanted to do. So I'm going to jump over here. Now I'm going to start this thing over here. Do you find that that is kind of a, a sabotaging habit for a it lot is. of entrepreneurs? Now, I'll tell you why that is. Because entrepreneurs, I think, all the entrepreneurs I've ever met, they suffer from creativity-itis. And it's fun to dream. It's fun to build. It's fun to create. But eventually you end up with a company that needs to be managed. Sometimes you need to have staff. So now you become a leader and that's no fun. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to go. Should I just grow this business and become a manager leader or should I go create something else that's new? Uh, In reality, you could do both. You can be the creator, but then you have to hire, train and empower a team. I have a team of 13 people that run my different internet companies. And that allows me to just focus on coaching and doing interviews and, and things that I really enjoy. So you can do both. It's really important that you recognize what it is you enjoy doing because as many hours as we typically work as entrepreneurs, you don't want to wake up every day or typically on Sunday go, oh, crap, tomorrow's Monday. (laughs) You know, you want to like, man, I can't – what are we going to do tomorrow? You know, what kind of marketing are we going to come up with or whatever? And so – we can create and we can build, but there is a certain point I think in a lot of entrepreneurs when you need to hand off – and have you know you got to have your systems and your policies procedures in place you got to have people that you've hired trained and empowered to do the job and then you know you you want to maintain some sort of control but you don't have to be in there day in and day out cuz that's if it's not what you enjoy it's not going to go well do you think that it's a, uh, wh- okay so let's talk about this team thing for a second cuz i think a lot yep. of people they they create this business and they think they have to do everything by themselves and it doesn't matter how how many times a, a someone, a guru or an expert or whatever, they say, get yourself a team, get yourself a team. Where do you think it's – when do you think it's time actually to start looking at building that team? I mean, what, what are some of the steps that people go through to decide whether or not that they should start building their team? It's funny. There's a chapter in my book, Decide, called Delegate or Stay Small Forever. And because entrepreneurs hate to let go. And therefore, they become the bottleneck. Now, I'm sure you've heard the expression, CJ, if you're out walking or hiking or something and you feel thirsty, like you're dry in the mouth, that's a sign you should have been drinking an hour ago or more, right? So by the time you get to the point where, you know, doggone it, I can't get my book done or I can't get this launch, I can't write a new set of autoresponders or whatever it is, if that stays on your to-do list for like more than a, a week or a month, God forbid, two months, you need help. Because those things are going to move your business forward. I'll tell you this. Every time I've brought on additional staff, even number 13, I haven't grown my staff in probably two or three years. But it always feels like you're putting the cart before the horse. Okay. And but what happens is if you do it right and you hire right and that that person does the task that you're bringing them on for and that frees you up to do what I call high revenue generating activity, that's good. When I when I made my first hire, I brought in a part-time virtual assistant. I want to say 2007 timeframe. Uh, the first thing he did is he, he was a website guy. So he rebuilt a piece of crap website I built on front page for myself you know, many years ago. And when I didn't have to do that, because it literally took me months to put that like a junk <laughs> together. But when, it, when suddenly he, I turned it over to him, I'm like, it wasn't like, 
what am I going to do today? But I did have a little bit of that feeling. And I said, well, maybe I'll do this. And see, when you hire somebody, and whether it's an employee or a virtual assistant, um, you could pay them 15, 20, 30, $40 an hour. It doesn't matter. But if they're doing task-oriented activities that you could easily have them do, and you decide to do that yourself because some entrepreneurs will say, I can do it better, faster, cheaper than anybody else. So why would I pay somebody else to do it? Mm. If you're doing that task-oriented work that you could hire somebody for $20 an hour, you are worth $20 an hour while you're doing that work. Now, the reality is if you want to earn a million dollars a year, you have to be generating $400 an hour, right? So for easy math, if you're going to work 50 weeks a year, take two weeks off and you're going to work 50 hours a week. I know most people work more, but just for the easy math, that means you got to work, you got to earn $400 an hour. And I guarantee that if you're managing your database or you're doing licking stamps or whatever, some task that you could farm out, you're never going to earn a million dollars. You have to do things that are going to generate high income and you need to delegate the rest. Wow, that is huge. I mean, I think for me, even just hearing that for me, it's like I agree with everything. It's, it's like this is stuff that should be common sense, but it's not. You know, when you have that, it's like, oh, this is my passion and this is I love doing all this stuff. Even the little things I like to do. It's like we talk ourselves into doing those little things so we don't have to pay that out. Not really. We can justify anything, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just. Yeah, it's easy to justify not paying somebody else to do something that you could do yourself. But at the same time, it's hard not it's hard to justify not putting your your efforts where they should be. You know, it's and once again, the the idea here is it is a risk to bring somebody on because it's going to cost you money. And I know you usually don't feel like you're ready to do that. But if you will actually agree that I work very hard, I'm diligent, I'm, I'm good with my time. So with this free amount of time, I'm going to create an info product or write a book, whatever it is. It's going to be something that's going to move the business forward. You could even say, all right, I'm going to bring somebody on, say, uh, 10 hours a week. I got because it's late. I got my calculator. So ten hours a week. That's four. That's forty hours a month. Let's say you're going to pay them twenty dollars. That's two hundred bucks a month. Let's say you're going to pay somebody two hundred hours a month and free you up just even ten hours a week, and you're going to do it for three months. I can do that without a calculator. That's six hundred dollars. Now, what if in that free? What if that amount of time you actually wrote a book, even if it's an ebook, or you did something that's going to actually bring some more revenue in eventually? So you are taking a risk because it's not an instant ROI. What is an instant ROI when you're an entrepreneur? Everything is a risk. I think. Uh- I think we get wrapped around that ROI thing a little bit too much because we want to, well, for me and for you, for example, with, with your story at the beginning where you said that you kind of had to do what you had to do, where you have to take that extra job and all that kind of stuff. You know, when you jump into that, you know, head first, because that's really what we're doing as an entrepreneur, we jump in head first. That ROI is like vital it's it's like we need to see some income coming in otherwise the family's going to start you know getting sick of your little hobby yeah you know what the um 
I think the worst invention for entrepreneurs ever was the microwave oven because <laughs> you can you can microwave a friggin' Thanksgiving dinner in three and a half minutes, but you can't microwave a a, a six figure business in thirty days or sixty days or something like that. So. Right. <laughs> that was my funny. wife waving at at everybody as on Ron Reel. So everybody oh, gets great. to see the hand of the wife. Yeah. So you know there, and believe me, there are people out there. I call them charlatans or some other things. If I wasn't <laughs> live on the air, but there are people who say, "Oh, I can teach you. I have a six figure business. You know, work with me for thirty days or two months or five months, whatever." It's not going to happen because every business, as I said earlier, is built on relationships. And and you can't microwave trust. People buy things from people they know, like, and trust. You can't accelerate. There's things that you can do to uh, help it along, but you can't accelerate to the degree like a microwave oven will greatly, like by 10 times, you know, boil water or something. You can't do that with relationships. So – you, would you say that building those relationships that like we've been kind of we talked about it at the beginning, we kind of spread it out throughout. Would you say that building those relationships are probably uh, would you say that's a key uh, tip? Would you how much emphasis would you put on relationships? It's everything the the customers or I'll say clients and patients, but I'll say customers that you have in your business. That is your greatest asset. By the way, that's the. That's the single biggest expense a business usually has is the cost of customer acquisition. But, you know, most businesses, when they acquire a customer and, and when you acquire a customer, it happens you have a sale. So you have a single transaction that changes their relationship from a prospect to a customer. What most business owners do at that point is, yay, we need to keep growing. We need to go get some more new customers. In reality, if you would proactively engage the customers that you now have, by way of your marketing, by way of referrals, whatever, and realize all the different things that you could sell them that you have other than the one thing that they initially bought, you're going to make so much more money. You know, I, I learned that when I was in the bike business. If I can get the people who already know, like, and trust us just to come back more frequently, they'll buy more stuff. And the deeper our relationship goes, the more they're going to refer. And by the way, those sales happen faster and easier than every new prospect that walked in the door. You know, I'll, I'll give you an example. <clears throat> I'm kind of old school. So if you take an Excel spreadsheet and down the, down the left-hand column, CJ, you just list all your customers' names. And then across the columns on the top, you list the different products or services that you sell. And then you go and you put a, a little colored box. So let's say um, Charles Smith bought product A. And then you just keep going and it looks like a little checkerboard. But in reality, Charles Smith, he only bought product A. And maybe you have 10 or 12 or other items that why don't we just market more of our stuff to Charles Smith, who already has proven that he trusts us because he's given us money? You know, Dan Kennedy, a great mentor of mine, he said, if you want to sell more of your goods and services, the very first group of people you turn to are the people that have already proved themselves to be buyers. Those are your current customers. It's not the all the other people that have never heard of you so far. It's your current customers. It's funny you say that because I go upside down. Every single podcaster out there, they seem to do the same thing. They say, yeah, they say, subscribe to me on iTunes and, you know, go to my YouTube channel and blah, blah, blah. 
you're telling the people who are have already found you, who are listening to you, to go subscribe to you on iTunes. Mm, that doesn't make sense to me. It never really, really sunk in. I as soon as I stop telling people, hey, subscribe to my podcast and do this. When I stopped telling them to do that on my podcast, I started getting subscribers. It, it was it was kind of crazy. It's wow. So going that direction, what would you say is your favorite method of marketing? Video, by far. Now, I, I always want to preface this because a lot of times when I'm doing being interviewed, what's the one thing you do? Well, I teach something called the Million Dollar Platform, which are all the different ways. From marketing and podcasting and books and speaking and live events and social media and on and on and on. And all of it works together. And I'll tell you this. Uh, I'm sure everybody that's watching is familiar with the term avatar. That describes your perfect yeah. customer, right? Your yes. perfect prospect. Well, let's say you're a financial planner and your perfect avatar is, is somebody, let's just say 45 to 65 you know, million dollar home or, you know, 2.3 kids, whatever. You got all those parameters and you go to a list company and you say, wow, there's a thousand people within five miles of my home that fit that exact parameter. So those are all good prospects. I guarantee those thousand people all consume information and content differently. If people say, I like to read books, that's where I learn. Well, some people might like to hold a paperback. Some people want to Kindle. Some people listen to audiobooks because they got a big commuter or they're walking or running every day. Some people like to, I like to read or I like to consume information by video. I learned how to drive my first boat by watching YouTube. Hey, how do you drive a twin engine boat? Well, some go, well, you move the engine. <laughs> I mean, I just consume and I learn by YouTube. Other people love podcasts. My point is that. You should never rely on just one thing. But right. with your question, if every if somebody said only one thing, I would do video. And here's why. Relationships happen over time. And with video, they can see you. They can hear you. I always say they, get the, they can take the full measure of you, so to speak. They can see if you're faking it. I've been doing weekly videos since 2009. Um, and I, I, I will come clean. I haven't been since I moved on the boat. I haven't been keeping up quite as, <laughs> but I did it for five years, every single week, never missing a week. And, and people got to know me, not that they watched every week, week in and week out, but after a while, you can't fake it on video. Right. Like if you're doing a podcast and there's no camera, you could be reading. Hey, so Chris, I, I mean, you could just like read your notes. Well, when you're on video, you can't fake it other than the person who you see their icon like this, yeah. you know, re reading the, the poster tape below the camera. But the thing about video, if you think about when you look at, um, you know, your shows on TV or news, whatever, video is such a powerful medium. And now thanks to, you know, inexpensive cameras that are sitting on top of your monitor or, you know, thanks to this thing called an iPhone, you can shoot high quality video inexpensively and people love to consume information that way. And that's what I love about this type of platform, the live streaming platform. It's a free tool for people to leverage to do what they want to do with it. Whether you're a me streamer or a pro streamer, or, and these are terms that I kind of play around with, but you know, the me streamer, the one that just wants to share their life with everybody. Hey, that's cool. That's fine. No problem. Or the pro streamer who's got a, a show, or maybe you're the marketer, the guy that's just going out there selling products. There's so much space in this live streaming space that it's it's so easy to put yourself out there in front of your your avatar, in front of the people that are looking for the things that you have. 
and to not be able to use that, it it seems like you're missing out on something. You know, so when Stephanie and I moved on our boat and we drove it originally from Maryland, the Chesapeake Bay, where we used to live up here. I'm, we're in Rhode Island now to be near, near my daughter, Jessica, and our grandkids. Um, we had, uh, I think it was 18 hours. We had a lot of time where we we're just, just motoring up the coast. <laughs> and she, she got out her phone and started doing Facebook Live. Yeah. And next thing you know, we had three people at one point, we might have had 10 and it was never a huge audience. But next thing you know, people were interacting. One morning we we left at 6 a.m. to get some smooth water. The sun was coming up. People were like and they were asking questions. One guy started asking me for business advice. It was kind of funny, <laughs> but it was a chance to I think video gives people a chance to interact with you, especially the live video. Yeah. And you know, we're. They can ask questions, give you the hearts and stuff like that. It's, I think it's really powerful. And it's it's a tool that not enough people use, probably including myself, at least when it comes to live streaming. Well, I am going to move into the second phase of the show now. This is the this is the part where we get to have a little bit of fun. All right. Okay. This is something that Jessica didn't get a chance to participate in. Sorry, Jessica. I hadn't figured it out by then. Hopefully you'll come on <laughs> Podcasters Guild and then we can ask these questions. But uh, this I, this came out of Podcasters Guild. And you familiar with the with the show Inside the Actor's Studio with James Lipton? Yes. Okay, so what I did is I completely ripped him off and I took his questions and I decided, well, I'm going to ask those questions. Because okay. I found out he ripped them off from somebody else from France. So I don't yeah, feel nobody so Nobody creates anything new, right? <laughs> no, no, not at all. So I figured, yeah, why not? So are you ready? I'll give it my best shot. All right. So, and I like to do this cold because that way people give me their most honest answer. Yep. What is your favorite word? Yes. What's your least favorite word? No. (laughs) You know what? I actually, that's one of my favorite words because that lets me know just how much more work I need to do to be better at what I'm doing now. Okay. Uh, I just thought I'd throw that at you. Well, Uh, by the way, and for yes and no, there's an e. There's always an equal reaction, whatever that expression is. (laughs) And so I actually say, when you say yes to something, it often means you say no to something else. So uh, the reason I don't like the word no is it means no, you can't do that. And I was like, no, I think I will find a way to do that. Yeah, you know, and I hear the word no, and I hear not yet. It's never yes. new. It's just not yet. You know, so yep. and I love that when, when people, well, what's a no me to you? And <laughs> not yet. <laughs> but, um, okay, so third question is, what turns you on creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Serving others awesome. in all three categories. Awesome. What turns you off creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Greed and ego. Oh, ego kills a lot of people, I think. It's a big turnoff. And you know what? With social media, it's just so easy to spot. Yeah. You know, if you if you go on Facebook, the people who are bragging about how successful they are are usually not the most successful people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's that probably sums it up for them. What sound or noise do you absolutely love? My grandkids. Someday I cannot wait. Someday I will hear that sound, but not yet. Not yet, please. Oh. I'll tell you this. Um, 
when my first grandchild, which is Nathan, Jessica's oldest son, or, or her son, um, when Nathan was born, uh, and yeah, you know, I had four kids. I love them all. It's weird how you when you have one kid and then you have another. Am I going to love this one as much? You do. It's like there. It's just there's just no limit to the love you have for your kids, and it's all each one is, is a little bit different. There was something different when Nathan was born, and again with with uh, Lucy and and then. Um, my daughter Amanda's son Jacob. Um, it's just like so precious, and it took me a while. And I, I don't know if I ever figured it out, but I was talking to Stephanie about it, and she said, "Well, part of it is being a grandparent. Like we get to have all the good, but <laughs> not the bad. <laughs> you know, we get to go home. You know, we're not clean. You know, although, although she, Stephanie is a big help to Jessica this summer, but you know, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of changing a certain kind of diaper, <laughs> but so in other words, we get to have a lot of the good. When you got your own kids, you got it all. When yeah. you got the grandkids, uh, very much so it's weighted toward the good. <laughs> I, I, I probably wrecked my definition or explanation, but no, that makes perfect sense. Cause uh, I know that when we bring our kids over to my mom and dad's, they are all about those kids. They they focus everything on those kids. And, you know, I had to ask my dad one time. I said, do you really love them more than you loved us? He goes, yeah, you guys drove me nuts. <laughs> well, gee, thanks. You know? <laughs> yeah. But, no, it, but it's but, all. It's also fun to see your kids as parents, and sometimes it's fun because you say, "Oh, finally, you got to you got to handle that, or you got to put up with that." See what you put me through. But in reality, I mean, I look at those kids, and I I can see parts of my daughter, parts of their husband, and and I can just see their just see their minds going. We Stephanie and I watched them for a whole weekend this past weekend. We were exhausted, but we just <laughs> loved it. I mean, just wonderful kids. So the next question is, of course, what sound or noise do you not like? Um, an alarm. I don't <laughs> like an alarm, particularly a high water alarm, which I hope I never hear. Oh, wow. Um, oh, I never even no. thought about so, that. You live on the boat. Yeah. yeah <laughs> specifically sense. on a boat, if there's an alarm, it means there's a problem. I mean, most alarms is a problem, but either um, either a pump is not working and it needs to work or – I mean, I – I don't have, I don't have like a CO2 issue. We have diesel engines and we're whatever, but, um, or there's something not working. It gen. So when I hear an alarm, it's like, Oh my goodness. And I got to go figure it out. And it's not like in your house where, well, I guess the house could catastrophe, catastrophically go bad or suffer a catastrophe. But when you're on a boat, you definitely want to find the source of the problem and fix it fast. <laughs> yeah. I, I can honestly say I've never lived on a boat. However, at one time when I was 18 years old, I worked for Bayliner building these big 30, 32 wow. foot boats. So it was, it was always one of those things for me. It was like, I want to live on one of these boats. I, you know, and I was telling Jessica this story and she, that's when she actually told me that you guys lived on a boat. I'm like, wow, that is so cool. I mean, I wonder what that's like, but I figured it'd be like living on a waterbed all the time. <laughs> there you go. So what profession other than your own would you like to attempt? Uh, other than my own, what profession? Uh, that's a good one. Um, uh, probably a musician. 
I've just been a hack musician most of my life. I played drums in a high school band. And then when I uh, moved out of my house and got an apartment, I taught myself guitar. I'm never very good at most of them, but just enough to enjoy it. But of course, maybe that's one of those little fantasies we all have to be, you know, um, to be a rock star or something. But yeah, if 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 I had the choice, but it's such a time commitment. But I guess that would be my answer, though, a musician. Let's not dissect it too much. So, what profession then would you not want to do, no matter how much money they gave you? Oh God, what is the profession where you got to deal with with whiners? Um, <laughs> or, <laughs> I don't know, maybe work in a toll booth or something like that. You know, work where the I'm I'm trying to think of a profession where you're there's just never. Um, it's, it's if anybody approaches you, it's because there's a problem. Well, I'll I'll just say toll booth because you you asked for the first thing that popped yeah, in my head. Yeah, yeah, toll booth. That's a good one. Call centers are another one. Yeah, I wouldn't want to do any of those either. Yeah. Wow, that's yeah. Complaining is one of those things that we love to do, but nobody wants to hear. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's such a turnoff. <laughs> it is. So you know, part of part. Of, I'll tell you this though. Or CJ, part of it is after I went through the cancer, um, I got a just I want to say I got a, a huge appreciation for the gift that every day is. And it's not that I don't have problems or complaints and I occasionally will whine myself, but my threshold for tolerating things that used to bother me has been greatly reduced. Because <laughs> literally every day I wake up, I, I thank God for the for this new day. No matter if it's raining or shining or if I gotta do something crappy, it's just I, I fully recognize what a gift every day is. Oh it, and it absolutely is. I mean, we don't know from moment to moment. And that's all we that's have. It. That's all we have are those moments. So we got to love each moment that we have. It's all we can do. So if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say to you when you enter the pearly gates? I forgive you and well done, good and faithful servant. <laughs> awesome. Now, <laughs> I want to turn the floor over to you. I want to give you the next five minutes, 10 minutes, however long you need. But I want you to just go out with a bang, deliver your one thing, that one thing that you think would take that person and completely just change their life. Wow. Good Lord. Do you know what time it is here? (laughs) Um, So just say yes is, is my seventh book. And my previous books were very much marketing, business building books. Decide was my sixth book, was a, was very much a mindset. It's getting the, the fuel for your business. When I wrote Just Say Yes, it, it's very much um, an, an inspirational and motivational book. And the, the biggest message that I want to leave people with is one of the things that inspired me was I saw this video called Everybody Dies. There was a rapper who's now pretty much a – I guess they call him a poet and motivational guy. His name is Prince EA. And he had a video called Everybody Dies. And he said, at the end of your life, they did a big um, study in it. They asked a lot of people when they were kind of on death's door, so to speak. And he said, what do you regret in life? And he said, most people never said anything that they regret. They always said something they that they regretted not doing, right? And so a year ago – when Stephanie and I – Stephanie came up with the idea, we got to go on a big adventure. Why don't we live on a boat and that whole thing? And that kind of set all this in motion. Um, 
the what ifs come into play. And so if you're a business owner thinking of expanding, but it's going to be a big risk, or if you're working at a job or you're under, you're underemployed right now and you're thinking of starting a job, but you're playing the what ifs, what if it doesn't work? And I read this book, CJ, when, when we decided to live in the boat and my own head trash was like, I've never driven a 50 foot boat before. I've never driven a boat in the ocean. What if I don't know where to go? And all of a sudden I just hit something. I mean, there's a lot of head trash. What if I'm in this Marina and it's very tight and I end up, you know, damaging somebody else's boat, a lot of negative, you know, and I read this book and this guy, I really appreciated his book because he was kind of a businessman. He, He was actually a musician and a writer and he lives on a boat. And he said, when you decide to do something like living on a boat, it's very romantic. You get really um, in love with the idea of it. But then the what ifs kick in, like I just described. And he said, yeah, but what if you wake up every day and you fix what's going on? You learn how to drive the boat better and you just tackle every challenge and overcome every obstacle. And he says, what if you find out you're really a badass boat driver and you have the adventure of a lifetime that you will never have if you don't say yes and so you can see a lot of the, where a lot of my inspiration came when I wrote this book. And I think that for people who sit on the sidelines or only play in their safe zone, because even though it's a little risky, there's not much risk for people not to recognize that life is absolutely passing you by and it's going by in a friggin' flash. And you never know, as we just said, you know, when, when your last day is so whether it's an idea that you want to do something or launch something or create something, or maybe you want to sell your house and go tour or do whatever it is, recognize that there will be a time just like in that video where somebody's going to ask you, what do you regret? And he says, I wish I lived on the boat or I wish <laughs> I went and toured. I wish I became a musician. I wish I had the guts to start that business or start another one. I wish I had the guts to do video or create a podcast that became a huge sensation. Whatever it is, assuming it's not life-threatening or completely irresponsible, I want you to just say yes because I don't want you to live with regret. I have an expression, regret tastes like crap. <laughs> so I, I want you to just say yes and and I want you to have a big adventure, whatever that adventure looks like for you. You know, Raw and Real Nation, you guys are one of the best supporting audiences I have ever seen in my life. And I want you to do me a huge, huge favor right now. I want you to go over. There's those, there's that sound again. I guess we got musicians trying to tell me that there's time to go or something, but I want you to go over to getjimpalmer.com, Click on that marketplace tab and check out the books. They are all there. All seven of his books are right there. You can pick out one or you can just grab them all. Personally, I think you'd be better off just grabbing them all. But I do got to ask you one question. One question. One question that's just been driving me nuts ever since I saw your website. Okay. In the books, why can I? Why can we not find Jessica's books in your books? Uh, she's 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 knocking them dead on her own. I know she is. She is doing an amazing job. I absolutely you know, love the. Things I'm that so she's proud doing. of her. But you know, in. I think the serious question is because she's part of my mastermind group. Um, most of my mastermind members write books or I help them write books. And if I had to feature her books, it would be like the teacher's pet, so to speak. Right, I'd have right. to feature everybody's Everybody, book yeah. that I've had a hand in. 
and I help them feature their own books in their own place. So in reality, there's, there's a little bit of, you know, it would be wrong for me to feature her books and not everybody's. And that would make for a very cluttered website. Well, folks, there you have it. You know, he doesn't want to clutter up his website. Plus, he's got so much amazing <laughs> stuff already right now on that website. You need to check it out. Go through it. Spend about an hour, two hours checking out everything you can. There's a lot of value there, I promise you. And then when you're done with GetJimPalmer.com, go on over to DreamBizCoaching.com and check that one out. It's just as amazing. What days are your do your videos come out? Or are you still going to be putting those out? Or yeah, so my 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 typical schedule is I put out an easing, which I've done for like nine years. That comes out Tuesday. When I'm on schedule, my videos come out Wednesday, um, and my podcast comes out Thursday. So that's kind of the three things I do every week. Um, but at at DreamBusinessCoach.tv. Um, there's archives of, you know, probably 250 videos. There's, there's plenty to see there and, and recycle until I get back on the horse again. <laughs> well, Jim, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the show with me. And like I said, I've been, I've been excited about this all day long. Thank you very much. I'm honored that you, uh, resurrected the, uh, the raw and real show to bring me back on. It's a great pleasure. So thanks a lot, Raw and Real Nation. It's been such an honor and it's been such a pleasure to be able to come out to you each and every week and deliver exactly what you expect. So until next time, everybody, you don't have to be perfect to be that perfect solution. Thanks for listening to Raw and Real with your host, C.J. Ripka.